Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know entirely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but that is the premise of the show, and that's why you're listening. With me, as always, is my co-host, the skeptic, the voice of the people, Kristen Suttered. Hey, Kristen. Hello, hello, and hello. It's it's a morning record, but I'm hoping no one will be able to even tell <laughs> that it's different from anything that we otherwise do. Um, we're in the thick of it. The ballot is out. We are doing our artist episodes, and we are excited to bring on our guest today, an award-winning journalist, author of Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop, and also one of the newest members to the nominating committee, Danielle Smith. Welcome to the show, Danielle. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, first off, congratulations uh, as as the newest one of the newest members to the nominating Ooh, committee. Okay, love it. A, hi, a high distinction. I know, uh, and, and we know, and the people listening to our show know that uh, when we when we're lucky to have nominating committee members on the show, they often cannot talk much about that yeah, process. I, I or feel like I'm under I, I'm under very strict. Um, I have very strict parameters, and I think. <laughs> You know, I laugh at them because it's it's slightly dramatic, Mm -hmm. but I also think it's kind of important. Um, You know, it's uh, we vote behind a I mean, in real life, when we're voting for candidates for office, we vote privately. It's a secret ballot. And I think there's reasons for that, because you just really want to do what you feel is right in your listening heart. Um without feeling like your opinion has been, I don't know, just imposed upon by others. So I actually like it. I think it's great. I'm, I'm happy that you're there. Uh, and, but let's, so what we'll, we'll, we'll dance around it a little bit in the sense that why don't we talk about before uh, you join the committee and just to get your general reference level for the hall. Uh, and were you a voter before you were invited to the committee? Did I was always, I've been a voter for years, but I didn't vote every year. Okay. And now is that out of um, rebellion or just out of uh, forgetting? <laughs> man, man, listen, mostly it was out of rebellion, I would mm. say. Uh, occasionally it was out of busyness. Um, like when I've been the editor in chief of Vibe, I've been the editor of Billboard. So sometimes, you know, it literally would get lost in the mail. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I like the rock hall a lot and have been a fan of it, um, for many, many years, but I'm a fan of, of the rock hall in the way probably that I am of the Grammys and as I am of the Billboard charts, which is, it's all problematic. But it's the it's the rubric that we have, though, and we should try to make to make them the best and as fair as they can be. So it's nice to be not on the outside, you know, shaking my cane at the at the cloud (laughs) to be be on the other side going, whoa. So this is what you guys have been doing all this time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like you like you said, there are issues with these institutions, but we also have to acknowledge like these are the ones we have. And, you know, you could try to start a new Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but, you know, you're you're roughly, uh, you know, 35 years behind the one that got to have Chuck Berry literally there in the beginning. So it, it's going to be difficult to to compete. Um, but, yeah, that that's great. 
and, yeah, uh, and I feel like that's kind of where the show comes from, at least like my perspective usually on the show has been like, I mean, it's called Who Cares About the Rock Hall? And we really began with like me being like, why do, just who cares who gets in, put them all in, put no one in. I don't care. Like it's already, you know, so completely skewed and off and wrong in many ways. And like, what's the point? But then, you know, I've slowly been sipping the Kool-Aid now for a few years and now I'm a little more invested. And I think I have a, it's just harder and harder every year because the, like, in order to really make a meaningful impact, like statistically on like the number of black people in the hall, the number of women in the hall, the, you know, just like statistically to make a dent just based on what has already existed. Like, you know, the, the stock is already very strong and it's a very white male stock. And so Mm -hmm. to like really make an impactful dent, it's, it's difficult. And like, I think, I think this year's kind of class isn't necessarily going to do much for that. Like this year's ballot doesn't like give us a big opportunity, uh, in the ways that like a few years in the past couple of years, I've been like, Oh, you could make an all black class or you could make an all female class. If you, you know, like ballots, like your ballot, you could vote only for black artists. You could vote only for female artists. I don't think there's ever been a possibility that you could vote for only black female artists. Um, like, you know, yeah, all five, although right. this year now you get to vote for seven, which is cool. But like, I, I think that that's like, you know, that's just kind of the, the premise at, at the base, we're going to be dealing with that, which is, mm-hmm. you know, its own little frustration. But at the same time, it's like, what are we going to do? Turn her back. Um, and like, I mean, from my side, what we're going to do is just, um, and not necessarily speaking as a, as a member of the nominating committee, but just speaking of myself as a journalist and author and someone who cares a lot about music and black music and is, and has been um, committed for my entire career, particularly to black uh, artists receiving the credit that they're due is to not be discouraged by the fact that the rock hall is a big ship to turn around. Yes. Um, It's a, it's, it's a big ship to turn around, but the thing that, excites me I think the most is well one I'm a I'm a studier of rock hall speeches we all have our nerdyisms and that is um that is one of mine and 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 I should say that I'm a fan of all award speeches but the because I feel like people are so in their feelings in that moment mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. so in their feelings even if they know it's like at the rock hall you know it's coming Mm-hmm. You know, yes. um, at, at Grammys and stuff, you ostensibly don't know. And it's like, oh, my God, I won. But yeah. at the Rock Hall, you know. And so the this thing of there being someone that walks you walks you into the Hall of Fame like they do to the Baseball Hall of Fame or the, you know, the NFL Hall of Fame and those kinds of things. One, that's dramatic. But when I see people, um, definitely black people and women artists, but all artists really pretty much the amount of kind of relief or, or this feeling like when you get to the gates of heaven, somebody's going to say job well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so intense and real. Um, it's like, and to see, I'm thinking particularly of when the OJs got in mm. and for um, right now, I'm forgetting the name of the lead singer. That's not Eddie LeVert. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it escapes me as well. I could look it up quickly and then say it as though I, I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said from the podium, holding it, this is a really mean business. He said, this is a really mean business. Because the OJs, by the time they were in the Rock Hall, should have been in the Rock Hall. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of thing to me that makes me say it's not unimportant. It matters to folks. When I think of Mariah Carey walking in Gladys Knight, and at that moment, I think it was important for both of them. But I feel like a lot of people thought at that time in Mariah's career that she wasn't soulful. Mm-hmm. That she was fake or too pop or um, maybe didn't have the sort of gravity that a Gladys Knight type person would have. And she got up there and talked about listening to Gladys Knight under the kitchen table and how much she just lived for how much blues Gladys had in her voice, even as a teenager, 17, 18, 19 years old. And that that's what inspired her in addition to of course her mom being an opera singer but um that's what inspired her to become mariah carey all caps mariah carey (laughs) and then for gladys to come up and embrace her i literally think that was well one gladys should have been in also and it was great that she got in and it's great that she's in but i also think that was gladys reaching back and saying you guys need to stop messing with this girl Mm. i love her she should be loved Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's not unimportant. Is is it weird? Yes, <laughs> but it's not unimportant. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, and like you know what, what Kristen was saying, and what I what I would remind Kristen of. I was is, just gonna say, I'm like Joe is so happy to hear you say that. <laughs> I'm like, well, that it's, is his yeah, it's about the hall. Because when when Kristen started to attend these ceremonies or at least watch some of them with me, I think one of the things that was resonating was that you could feel yeah. the moment when yeah. when these artists accept and when the guests induct them you yes. really can't you can tell like if you were skeptical before even the most uh cynical and sometimes yeah. artists have to act cynical for self-preservation when they're not in for years and i mm-hmm. and i get that and we continue to see it Every mm-hmm. single year since the hall existed, you is it rock and roll to kind of look at your shoes and say like, well, I hope one day they'll induct me. No, you kind of have to say, fuck that place. If they don't do. want me, it's a conspiracy and, uh, you know, all that. But then when you get to that moment, regardless of what you said before, you, you see these artists pause and see like they just got to watch themselves get a lifetime achievement award yeah. from the, from the documentary that they show that is mm-hmm. always the most like get you hyped up for an artist mm-hmm. like so expertly designed to just convert the most skeptical person into yes. like let's let's go uh and, and in that, some cases that, really introduce people to artists that they otherwise would not be paying attention to at all. If you're a soul and R&B fan, then maybe you get introduced to some old rock that you didn't know about um, it, and, and vice versa. It's such a, it's just such a effing thrill, honestly. Yeah. It's just a thrill, which yeah. is what music should be. It's, it really is. And I, I often venture into sounding a little kumbaya, uh, not when it comes to the business of music. I'm not kumbaya at all. But when it comes to the feelings that music inspires, 
picture me around the campfire, okay? <laughs> Holding hands with everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that you're kind of that makes you an absolutely perfect guest in a multitude of ways. But I think, you know, it's always wonderful when we have someone with a deep knowledge and then also like a passion for this flawed institution, you know, like with clear eyes about what it is, what it means, but kind of a vision for what it could be. Mm-hmm. That is a real uh, that's a treat. I, oh. It's uh, making me very happy. <laughs> uh well, I'm glad, Kristen. I, and again, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled to be on the nominating committee. Um, I think it's safe to say that these are some of the most music loving um, people in the world, whatever, it, by whatever capacity, whoever they are, whatever they do behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, whatever they do. Um, it's a music loving group of folks. So before you were on the nominating committee, was there someone or like an artist or a, um, you know, an artist or a group or something that you were just like, if I ever get the opportunity, you know, like this, this is my case, like this is my snub. This is the person that I, you know, feel so strongly has been overlooked all these years. Uh, is, is there someone that like has... Or or a group of people like we have our list of people, our snubs that, you know, we keep thinking about. I have like 10,000. So yeah, that's sure. <laughs> yeah. Like my list is like everyone. I probably shouldn't say just because of where I'm sitting right now. But mm-hmm. suffice it to say, I haven't had like a written list. I didn't have that. Um, but it, I think it just shows up in my work. Mm. Shows up in my work over the years. Sometimes those are the stories that inspire me the most. The people that do the best work and are the least credited. Um, the people who get a lot of credit, but not the credit that is actually commensurate with their impact on, on rock or pop or soul or whatever the case may be. I never had like a thought of being on this committee. Not one single solitary thought of it at all. Like at all. And, and the, the folks that I've told are like, Girl, I thought you were already on it. <laughs> I was going to say the the idea that it, you you hadn't been approached before or that, yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And again, when you work at Billboard, and again, I say I've worked there twice in leadership positions both times. And, you know, you get to know the grime behind the glamour. Mm-hmm. It's a trade magazine at the end of the day. So... You get to know the grind behind the glamour. And I just didn't think it was going to happen. And it wasn't high on my list to try to low-key campaign for or write a letter and say, I just really feel I should be considered. Or <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. I've done stuff like that before mm-hmm. for jobs or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a known to be a person that sort of falls back and blends into the woodwork. Yeah. But listen, I had not thought about it. Not not an iota, not an iota. When I got the call, I was like, yo, are you, like, is this that call? I was like, oh my, what? Hello? Like, oh, like, it's just, it's a, it's, it's, it's great. It, it makes me feel a little bit like they feel at the podium. That's amazing. Yep. I, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just, uh, you know, another day, another, oh, like, oh, oh another call. Okay. <laughs> that's good that's good I that's the attitude that. people i think need to have 
Cause this is, this is the, the beginning of, of the yearly process is, is that meeting. And it, it you know, you, you, it, when we talk about how much it matters, that gravity to some degree needs to be there from the beginning. Cause it, you know, if, if it's not taken seriously and then you know the end result is like this huge thing. Yeah. That's, yes. that's the attitude. Yes. Well, this is like Joe getting his ballot. You know, he did put it on a campaign, I would say. Like, for, I, no, not a show has been a low key campaign. I think many times okay. at the end you have mentioned, like, because people will be like, wow, you know so much about the Rock Hall, Joe. You should, you should be a voter. He'd be like, you know, that's a really great point you make. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't attach any negativity or shame to campaigning. As I've said, I've definitely wanted things, written letters, Occasionally, I've been known to start my own whisper campaign. Like, yeah, get, definitely do, do what's things, necessary. <laughs> you do. That's the way this business works. Yes. You know, unfortunately, it's the way this business works. Um, it's just that in this particular situation, I just had not set my cap for it at all. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. Well, that's. I think that's all great context for uh, for you and and your your uh, position for the rock hall about the rock hall how you feel about it and and where you are now um i would love to talk now a little about sade um and and i'll start just kind of asking about i know you've uh you've written about sade before um and i would i would love to just get started with what your kind of personal history is with sade maybe even if you remember the first time you heard the music of sade i think the first album was 84 that's correct. Yeah. So I think I'm like 19, 18. It just hit me like a, between she and Luther Vandross, <laughs> it just hit me like a sledgehammer because I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in a Motown and Elvis household. Those are my mother's favorites. So those, those records, and obviously those records are for all time and remain some, some of my favorite records, but they were in fact, my mother's records, right? They were not my records. Mm-hmm. So Sade and Luther hit me, and then more particularly Sade, as much as I love Luther Vandross, is because she's a woman, and because she's Black, and because I thought she was fancy. I mean, like, what else do you need from your pop star when you're 18, 19 years old? Uh-huh. I thought she was so fancy with that accent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And her, and I think being a a musical star, a pop star, a soul star. There's so much style attached to being that, right? Her style's impeccable. It's impeccable right now. She's I don't know where she is. Glamorous. She's just like, uh, she's like an F. She feels very effortless. You know, we were just talking about kind of like effort or whatever and kind of like how something about being like in, you know, music, being a musician, being a rock star, et cetera, means like kind of, acting pretty cool and it's just like she she is the coolest you know yes, like effortlessly she is effortless she doesn't even like have a big i don't know it's like you you, ne- you never really see her sweat her you never see her try and like yeah. it's yeah it all just she's the whole package yeah she really is i mean and the, the consistency of it too she knows her brand and she sticks to it yeah she's like it's gonna be this ponytail so you guys just need to, get, <laughs> it's going to be this ponytail and it's going to be this red lip and we're going to be doing a lot of eyeliner. I don't care what decade of life I'm in. Like, this is what we're doing. Like, even if you think of somebody like, uh, 
uh, from the Ronettes, Ronnie Spector. Mm-hmm. Ronnie was so attached to like, you know, her style was so attached to who she was as an artist. You got the book. You got the bouffant going, you got the eyeliner going and everything. But, you know, as we all get older, we all look different than we looked when we were in our 20s. Sade's like, I'm not even going to try hard. And I'm still going to be giving you that same energy. It's magnificent. And, and, I'm, and I'm not going to age somehow. Somehow I, I magically will not age. <laughs> and all the younger kids are going to love me. Oh, you're Drake. You're like the most popular rapper of all time. Sure. You got me tattooed on you. Cool. Cool. (laughs) It's like, you're doing mashups of my songs with yours. Oh, cool. Cool. Definitely. Definitely. And you're like doing an homage to me in many of your songs. You know, I feel like that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, I want to walk, walk up to the, to the recording career and talk a little bit about the kind of, history of Shade the woman and the band at, at, you know before you know 84 mm-hmm. uh you know she was born in nigeria right before its independence uh from britain uh at the time went by helen which is a, a little hard to believe when you when she is she is Shade period but she did you know also taught us how to say her name do you know what i mean like yes. that's a thing too mm-hmm. that like that is not nothing to have a name that is you know, not an obvious pronunciation and to have ta- to have a whole, you know, world oh, yeah. <laughs> a world saying your name. Yeah, that's a that's also just not a- to mention having the audacity to name the, the a whole band after yourself when you're the only girl. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Points. Pretty cool. Like points, infinite points. <laughs> um, her her parents split when she was four. Her mom took her to England. Uh, and at first she was interested in designing clothes. Uh, but then was pulled into the music scene, uh, joined a group called Pride, which was kind of like a Latin funk group. Uh, and she and the guitarist slash sax player, Stuart Matthewman, who is an important figure here, that they start a songwriting collaboration. Uh, and they start having their own sets within these shows as part of the band Pride. Uh, and then the labels when they're checking out these shows, the eye is drawn to Sade as you can, as anyone could imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, when they want her, which I think this is cool. She brings uh, Stuart along. She brings some of these guys from pride along, uh, including uh, Paul Denman, the bassist and a drummer named Paul cook uh, who would be replaced within a year. Sade, I don't think has ever really consistently had a, a drummer member, uh, but they're signed as a band, not just, I mean, they're signed as Sade, which. Well, and also just to like really make a quick point about, cause you were like, oh yeah, she was going by Helen, but her middle name is, uh, Fola Sade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so Sade That's is an just abbreviation. A, an abbreviation yeah. of, of her middle name. So it's not mm-hmm. like out of nowhere. She was like, I, you know, it's a dramatic name. <laughs> no. <laughs> had a great idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does kind of come from, uh, from yes. some, well, just. Yes. I thank you. Thank you. That was that would, was about to be my next point, over. but yeah. Oh, and when you, you when, when you hear her talk, you know, I've I've seen interviews with her where she and the way she says her full name is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. It <laughs> yeah, it just it's just like just the way it, it flows. But yes, Sade is an abbreviation of that, which she takes on as her professional name, but also the name of the group, and that's that's really how it's born. Yeah, she was um she was running in quite a creative crowd um 
uh, you know, I feel like in the history of music, there's there's these great and historic scenes, you know, and she came out of that kind of real post Beatles Thatchery like scene where I don't know if it was all the way to post punk, but if it wasn't, it was close to it. And I feel like people are to to name another UK band were kind of at loose ends. And <laughs> and she, you know, she just I don't think there's that many people that maybe there are, but this is kind of fall into it. You know, she, I, I really think she kind of fell into it. I think she was a standout in any room that she walked into. She would have been a standout as a fashion designer. I mean, you can tell by her style, you know, um, you can picture the minimalist um, lines that she would have been uh, gracing us with over all of these years. But I don't want to say right place, right time, but right place, right time for that band without question. Well, and just kind of a bit of a, I, I don't know. I, I mean, listening to and kind of reconnecting with their music in this past couple of days, I think it also just like a new thing in some ways, like very, so, just like there, you mentioned, you know, oh, she didn't. And I'm sure we will continue on this as we talk about the music and stuff. But like, you know, she stayed consistent with her look, stayed consistent with the sound as well, because there was never, it wasn't just a, it wasn't like a fad. It wasn't a, um, they weren't hopping on a trend. They weren't hopping on a trend. Exactly. It, it was like, I mean, I didn't mean to imply that. Yeah. Oh, no, as no. I, I don't think she was necessarily singing into her hairbrush um, mm-hmm. as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that, but that just from everything I've read and um, imagined, I just don't think that she was. Um, I think she wanted to be somebody. Mm-hmm. I think she definitely wants. She talks, um, she has a great song, When Am I Going to Make a Living, which is one of my favorite songs of hers. I mean, that song definitely got me from trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life to at least kind of 60 percent figuring out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Um, I think she's a very ambitious and creative woman, and she was going to figure it out however she was going to figure it out. I think she's also extremely hardworking and loyal, which I think is as we're talking about with the band. I mean, no shots, but it's rare in the music business. Let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. And there's a very, there's an interview I think she was doing with um, the broadcaster, Donnie Simpson. And she talks about going on the road with them around Britain and being in this, in this, you know, it's a classic thing of being in this van that's really raggedy and um, doing a show that, um, you know, isn't over until two or three o'clock in the morning and then having to be back on the in the van and on the road at five o'clock in the morning to get to the next place, to get to the next place after that. And she pretty much says to Donnie Simpson, like, like, what else would I have done? Like, these are my guys. Like, I we did this together. And, you know, she she wanted to, quote unquote, as she says, and it's a favorite quote of mine, she says, we wanted to get success. We wanted to get success. Mm-hmm. And I think she was going to get success regardless of field. I do. Yeah. Uh, and to your point about loyalty, uh, 
and and to reiterate, because we we talked we talked to a guest last week who did not realize that Sade was also a band, and that is who was being nominated. Um, I just want to say she's been with these guys since the beginning. The lineup changes have been minimal, and they only really occurred in the very very beginning. But you know, Paul S. Denman, Andrew Hale, Stuart Matthew, Matthewman have been the band Sade with Sade since 82, since before the, the first release even came out. So that they're is- the guys in the van. They're the guys in the van. Like, that's crazy. They're the and, guys in the van. And I am sure she could have gone solo, as it were. Without that's how they a- wanted to sign her. That's, yeah. And, that is very specifically what the offer was. And she could that have changed her mind she could have you know with great success decided to branch out do leave them but she did not and and they have continued to be the band and i I think that is worth pointing out that that's really remarkable in this business especially it's amazing it's amazing i mean don't get me wrong there are some albums where i'm like girl we could try something like (laughs) like we could like there's so many gifted producers that want to get their hands on your voice girl that want to sit in a songwriting room with you and you know let's shout out like heartbreaking shit and pardon me and try to make uh, a hit song you know (laughs) um or a song that is going to like remain in people's hearts forever Mm -hmm. let's do that and her response clearly each and every time is sounds cool <laughs> but no <laughs> yeah you got to respect right? it you got to yeah. respect it um so we're going to take a quick little break when we when we come back we're going to get more into Sade and we will review my patented categories that I have to uh, evaluate an artist's hallworthiness so uh, we will be right back don't go anywhere Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice little break. We hope over your break, you you, uh, you got yourself a little a little caffeine. Well, pick me up. Yeah, 
you deserve it. Yeah. Um, so here's some hall context for Sade. Uh, as the first album, Diamond Life, was 1984, that means Sade became eligible for the Rock Hall as of 2010. Never been on a ballot before. This is Sade's first appearance on the ballot. And as far as I could tell, no involvement with the Hall, no appearances at any ceremonies, kind of par for the course for the group Sade. They kind of exist on on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're They're not exactly industry darlings in the sense that they're you know, she or they are showing up a bunch. So no, there's no connection to the hall here. Sometimes we see that you can set yourself up for induction. He wasn't out here inducting other people, appearing Mm -hmm. in a package or anything like that. No, just, uh, yeah, got got on. You you, you can't, uh, there's no chicanery here. Um, (laughs) Now uh, let's get to the categories. These are categories I devise, as our listeners know, uh, to as a way to evaluate artists. You know, the hall does not tell the voters what criteria to evaluate when voting. And I came up with a list of uh, that I think somewhat reflect either worthiness or if we think the hall will go forward with induction. Not a perfect science, but I think these are the things you would want to consider uh, and let's start off with iconic slash majorly recognizable songs. And I, I would like to go chronologically because that way we can kind of tell the story of Sade as we're going through the the major singles. And obviously, I mean, this is obvious to me. I would think anyone off the street, you ask them, what is a song by Sade? They are probably going to say Smooth Operator. Audacious debut. Audacious. <laughs> Crazy. That's that's out of the gate. Um, across genres and ages, everybody knows Smooth Operator. I mean, I feel like I knew Smooth Operator as a little boy because it was on a one of those compilation oh. CD commercials. So you got even just that snippet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, released in 1984 off the off that first album, Diamond Life. That was the breakthrough single. Uh, peaked at number five on the Hot 100 and was a number one adult contemporary hit uh, written by Sade and a guy named Ray St. John, who had been in the band Pride, but was not in the band Sade. Mm, I didn't know that part. Yeah, so it, it comes from the, the Pride era, but, you know, that guy did not, uh, either well, wasn't invited or wasn't interested. Wherever he is, he's not yeah. hurting. He's no, I mean, he, he he's set for, he's set, he has a diamond life just from say, having mine. publishing yeah. credit, yeah. Yes, and God bless him too, and God bless those whatever creative moment they were having. They hit that out the park, man. It, yeah, I mean, I, I iconic and recognizable. It it really hits both both those marks, and uh, yeah. it's it's great. Um, did they use that song in a commercial for razors in the nineties? Did I make that up? Oh, I don't recall it's, that it now. It seems. I'm like, it just feels like, I, I'm just like, did I did I make that up? Did, did I just think like, oh, I'm just trying to, I, I mean, obviously I remember it from when it came out originally mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a ubiquitous song, but I also feel like we are hitting this point. I, it's come up a few times in the past couple, in like some of our more recent episodes where Gillette Fusion Pro Glide TV Spot Smooth Operator Whoa. is what I found. Like what in, I found. Was it in the 90s? Um, that I don't know, but okay. uh, I just think I, yeah, it. I feel like I remember it like not that it wasn't like a ubiquitous song, but I also feel like it had just a little another blip in the 90s again, like a resurgence of just 
you know, that was that time when they were using songs just like for everything had, a, I don't know, that that seems like just a very... I can't confirm that the song's in there, but at the very least, they are calling the product smooth operator and whether or not they use the sound alike or saxophone sound alike or something. I don't know. I had a vague recollection. Not to sully, not to sully Sade's uh, song with the, (laughs) with the Gillette commercial, but I do vaguely remember that. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. And so that's out of the gate. And I would probably put that, I would put that one as number one with a bullet that that's like, if, if you don't, if you don't even think, you know, Sade, you have heard smooth operator still gets played. Um, and you know, that album diamond life that it's on one of the biggest debuts of the eighties went four times platinum. Yes. Smooth operator stands tall among those songs, uh, as recognizable and iconic and known. Uh, but let's also give some love to your love is King, which was the actual debut single. And while it didn't really do this same numbers in America, I think it, it is uh, considered important to the canon uh, of Sade. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it absolutely is. I don't know what better thing or what, for what I know, Sade is a straight girl. So I don't know what else you could say to a man besides, sir, your love is king. I mean, mm-hmm. and and it's something about her that I really like is that, well, she's already in. Um, she doesn't, like you said, she has no interaction really with the Rock Hall, but she has been selected for induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. That's she right. Just, you, know, you, have to, you have to show up to get your award, though. And, you know, Sade's not showing up. So she's not actually in it. She's just technically in it. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. So that's just how rock and roll she is. Mm-hmm. She's like, thanks again, but like. Sounds like a cool party, but I won't be there. Um, it's the straightforwardness in her songwriting that I think is like deceptively simple. It's the detail. It's like the it's like the emotional detail, I should say. Um, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarrely like in love mm-hmm. to really feel, let alone write down and sing, "Your Love Is King." Mm-hmm. Like it's just. Especially if you're like the cool girl, you know what I mean? Like you're like the cool girl, you're the rock and roll star. You're like, there's not a lot of rebellion in that, Mm-mm. or maybe there is, but it's so loving. Mm-hmm. Even, even if it's weird that I think it gave a whole generation of folks like permission to be, to have like our own kind of romance that to, to gave us a language of love. Um, I'm queen of the puns today. Shout out to everything but the girl. Isn't that everything but the girl? I think it is. Um, yeah, it's just like she gave us a way to think about like relationships and, and a way to speak to our lovers. Like she was really the, and continues to be that girl. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll get to it too as we continue through this song list, but I'm just like, this is just like the most romantic songwriter. Just there's something very like, this is, you know, the quiet storm has arrived, you know, very, this is like, we are 
we are in an intimate moment. Sade is on. We are in an intimate moment. Like that is, she made music to get busy to. And like, that is very apparent from, from the first, you know, horn blow. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So we're all queen of the puns today. Then. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh no, this is welcome that. to the show. Yeah, pun royalty. Pun yeah. royalty. Your yes. puns are welcome here and <laughs> celebrated <laughs> and and answered, I'm sure, with, with plenty. Um, so uh, it's funny when we when we look at these artists, uh, really from any era b- beyond just like it feels like a few decades ago, which is that like man, artists just cranked out albums like year after year you were the the era of waiting years for i mean we'll get to Sade and the gaps but like you know the next album was the next year it was 1985 the album was mm-hmm. called promise and that has the song the sweetest taboo which uh that's that's up Again. there just this is we are talking. Shut the door, <laughs> turn down the lights, Just light the candles, light the candles. Mm-hmm. Shade is in the building. Like, yeah, she says. Sometimes I think you're just too good for me. Come on, come on. This is come on. Also, I want to correct my pun. I think everything but the girl is actually language of life. Yeah, oh. but um, not language of love. But yeah, like sometimes I think you're just too good for me. That used to have me rocked back. Like, ugh. And that is being the cool girl. Mm -hmm. That very much is being the cool girl. Yeah. Like, you're too nice a guy for the way I'm about to act. Yes. Uh, This is like, oof. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's beautiful and it's, 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 it's rough, though. The sweetest taboo. This is another one that went to number five on the Hot 100, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, went to number one on the Adult Contemporary charts. Uh, I feel like you you definitely still hear this one a lot. Uh, and the album Promise went to number one, also went four times platinum, and they won the Grammy for Best New Artist. Uh, which you know, sometimes the way the Grammys are are set up, it's like you can have a year after you can have a or you can have a second album out already and still yep. win it because uh, of the calendar or whatever. And then 1988 was the third album, Stronger Than Pride. Uh, and even though even though this album went to number seven and went three times platinum, I wouldn't say any of these songs are quite as widely known as like Smooth Operator or Sweetest Taboo. But if there's one on here, I would say it's got to be Paradise. agree with you on that mm-hmm. paradise to me is like that might be my favorite Sade song it's got the i don't know it's got the the drums <laughs> i like the you know i i think it's just got such a like good vibe to it i, I don't know i'm very i'm into that, it i agree with you i think it's it's got that it's a it's a rare um danceable mm-hmm. Sade record yeah, comes up in a lot of DJ sets. Um, yeah, obviously you can slow dance to her for eternity, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> but it's the rare sort of two stepping. Um, yeah, it's not line bling. It's like you know, it it has that kind of like yes, yeah, the the two stepping kind of like you can you can get out on the dance floor to it. You know, yes. it's a great record. Um, I, I like that song a lot. I like your love is stronger than pride, but it doesn't have the weight. Of paradise in her catalog. Love is stronger than pride. 
that this album doesn't have, even as you say, as well as it did. Um, but this is also a, another time. I do think too, that people were as much as she was a radio artist and continues to be, um, people listen to the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a whole, as, as its own. Statement. Again, yeah. you yes. just put that on. Don't worry yeah. about it. There's not going to be a, a skit in the middle or some <laughs> kind of, you know, like a temp, a change that's going to, you know, jar you. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. so like, I think that's another thing that's points for her in the consistency, which is like, you can play that whole album and you know, it's going to stay in mm-hmm. that pocket of mm-hmm. what you're looking for from a Sade album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, that uh, paradise went, that's her first and only number one R and B hit, which is surprising that, mm-hmm. that that's the one, uh, also went to number 16 on the hot 100, number three on the adult contemporary, um, and then the fourth studio album came in 1992. So now we're starting to, to get the gaps in between the albums. Uh, Love Deluxe was that one. Uh, mm. and it, it ha- that has one of the biggest Sade songs. I would maybe put that right below Smooth Operator, which is No Ordinary Love. There's a lot on here, man. Yeah, there's a lot on here, but yeah. yeah, no ordinary love is like I guess the most popular, literally. Um, oh, it's good. Yeah, but- you know, it, it went to number twenty eight on the Hot One Hundred, which I I expected it to be bigger, just because it's thinking of it retrospectively, you think like this is man that must have shot to the top of the charts. Um, but it because it is so iconic, it is. Uh, Instead, on- it just. Quietly crept in the room, <laughs> Just like style. Roached up, to, uh, you know, crawled up, slinked up the charts. <laughs> um, it is it is number four hundred fifty nine on the recent Rolling Stone five hundred greatest songs list. Oh, yeah, and so it okay. made it no made, game, no game. Okay, yeah, um, and and won a Grammy for best R and B performance by a, a duo. Mm. Or and so this this one's got some accolades on it. I mean, and yeah, this is one I feel like you you still you will hear it if you're not even seeking it out. Like it, it's one of those songs that just gets played a lot. It does. I also think this was um it's probably her most iconic to me album cover. Um it just when she had her hair down, which was like, oh my god at the time. Um she has her hair down. Oh my god, it's what? not that <laughs> um we just were like thrilled about that. I remember um she looks like she could be nude. Mm-hmm. Um that was like a low-key a scandal and just really had us like up in arms in the best way. It just yeah, yeah. And cherish the day also to me from that album. Cherish the day. And that one also had Kiss of Life, uh, you know. Another one that I I just remembered these songs, like they just feel ubiquitous. They feel like they always existed, I guess. I just, I don't know that I've ever like, you know, 
just I feel like you don't have to seek out Sade. You can, but Sade will find you. <laughs> just so she will, she will, she will. Uh huh. She will. There's so much good um, stuff here. The way she's, you know, I feel like mermaid stuff comes up in her work often, either in video or as this song that's on this album. Uh, Bulletproof Soul is a great, great record and just a great thought. And a great bit of songwriting and song titling. It's not that complicated, but you're gonna need bulletproof soul. This is good. Yeah, and this album went to number three, another one that went four times platinum. Uh, and it was after that that Sade had their first major sabbatical, which at this point would almost start to like define them. Like, mm-hmm. where did Sade? Where did Sade go? Uh, yeah. Suddenly, Sade is back. Uh, you know, uh, you never you there. You hear rumors that they're working on something, and then they and then they come back with mm-hmm. an album. Which you know they didn't come back until two thousand with uh, Lovers Rock was the album, which is you know when we talk about consistency in the sound uh this album you know was a departure to some degree you know it's more sparse you don't have any saxophone really there's a lot of acoustic guitar in this one and you know so they they're they are capable of you know going down different avenues sonically definitely and i feel like mood wise also the songwriting and the energy of the 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 energy of the songs not on the not not on the fun side of love on this mm-hmm. album. Sure. Somebody already broke my heart. Somebody already broke my heart. It's like, yo, pull that out when you just, you know, kicked your person out of your person, just kicked you out of their life. Like, mm-hmm. man, listen, ugh, even it's only love to get you through, like. I just feel as as folks say she was feeling some type of way when she was writing these um when she was writing these songs. They're the King of Sorrow. I am the King of Sorrow. King of Sorrow. Phenomenal. Phenomenal record. And she lo- like you begin to see these things, like I said, that show up in her in her work. She you know the idea of King, you know, she, that was what on her first or second album. Um, mm-hmm. And then she has the sweetest gift when she had the sweetest taboo, like these things are like recurring. And I think she has an immigrant where she had, when am I going to make a living? Like she has these recurring things that you begin to see. And I think that's also important as you think about the kinds of artists that go into something like the rock and roll hall of fame. Um, who get lifetime achievement awards of any kind? Um, you can, you, you can, if you look or or you you can feel like a narrative. You you get to know them over the course of their career. Um, they're not, even though it may sound similar, that's their style. It's not like the same old thing. Like they're growing, or there's a valley, or there's a high. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's not just like just straight across bland. Like there's a story to what Sade has been doing over the last, what has to be, what are, is this her 40th year in the business? Yeah, I, that's correct. Yeah. So she's been telling a story um, in detail about love and life for 40 years. And 
And I feel like, especially as you talk about these these gaps in between the albums, I begin to think that she she's telling the story of her decade. Like, even if it's not our decade, um, like whatever eight, nine year thing that's been going on with her, like she's telling the story of that. And it's fascinating, honestly, to listen to her albums in order because you hear it, you hear it. And it's it's magical. Yeah. I mean, and after this one would be a, a 10 year break, uh, you know, and that in the, the Lover's Rock was, again, successful. This is a pattern, you know, it went to number three, went three times platinum. Uh, but then Soldier of Love was was 2010. Now, I will say normally with a group from the 80s, mm-hmm. when when we when we do this very show, we tend not to cover the albums this deep into the career. And I'm not shading anyone specifically, uh, but that's just that's typical. And that is honestly no shade to any artist from the 80s. When they get to the 2010s, they're not making kind of work that mm-hmm. is part of the canon anymore. Really, it's uh, it, it's maybe the fans will buy it, but nobody's really talking about it. Um, but Sade, this is this is different, has not dropped off. And this is considered to be like a major comeback worth the weight top shelf Sade record. Are you kidding me? This is what I talk about when I say she tells the story of her decade. Yeah. She's literally telling you, I'm literally a soldier of love. Like I've been out here battling like for you guys for at this time at what 30 years when she did this. Yeah. It's like if you can call anybody a soldier of love, it's Sade Adu. Like what? Like she's She's telling her story. She's telling, like, I remember when this came out, she's only a little bit, she's a little bit older than me. I'm like, she's definitely telling my story. (laughs) But you could also say that if you're 29, Mm -hmm. you just broke up with somebody. Like, it's the soldier of love thing. And that, is it the drum beat? The snare? What is it? Yeah, it's like the... Talk to me. It's like we're marching Mm -hmm. in the military parade. Well, yep. this I thought of as like, oh, that's a departure. That's like a sound, a sonic departure in some mm-hmm. way. You know, like that song is the least kind of of the. You We're know. talking the, the title track, yeah. Yeah, the title yeah. track. You could play any of the Sade songs that we have kind of mentioned earlier at a wedding, yes. uh, you know, until we really get to Soldier of Love, where you're kind of like, OK, she's got like it's just a different tone. That is a different she this to me felt like very a different, you yes. know. Yes, different. it's 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 a memoir in song form. It's mm-hmm. definitely I feel like a lot of her work. And again, whoever talks to Sade to know, but um <laughs> I feel like a lot of her songs are very that. I mean, some people's songs are, some people's songs aren't in the terms of who's in the rock hall and who isn't. But there's something, especially for an artist that makes herself so scarce, um, it just helps you feel like you know her um, when you hear songs like this. Mm-hmm. Um, if If it's not personal, it's very much in line with her persona which is one of the strongest and most enduring personas i think in the history of of recorded music and and i and i don't say that kind of thing lightly i don't but i think it is she is that lady yeah i mean it it is it is remarkable the the 
level she's still working at um it's rare you don't you don't see it among among the best artists of all time um and you know this and and it resonated with with people you know this album debuted at number one and stayed there for three weeks went platinum within a month uh and you know even though even though soldier of love the title track you know went to like 52 on the hot 100 which you know isn't huge but that's their biggest song on that list since no ordinary love Ooh, uh, i didn't know that either yeah and, i love and it, all these stats man like what you, you, you gotta, stats yeah. when i when i used to work at espn we had this um department called stats and info <laughs> and so we would really call them the context club like if you want to put somebody in context just call stats and info and you're really teaching me a lot to I appreciate it, Joe. I did not realize, um, I did not realize some of this and it just makes her to me just all the greater. Like it's, it's insane to me how much, how powerful she's been for as long as she's been. And it makes me sad actually, um, that we won't be able to see, say an artist like Whitney Houston when she's at this point in her career that we won't be able to see an artist like Prince at this point. Um, in his, cause they're all from that same era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she is a little bit, um, I mean, it's getting to be a smaller and smaller group. And really, they're all too young for that, for the group to be as small as it's dwindled to. It's it's wonderful that she's here. And I feel like some part of it is, and I've written about this, is that she takes those breaks. Mm-hmm. She takes those breaks. She's not touring all the time. She's not on red carpet all the time. She's not... She's not in the studio all the time, wherever she is in her little Sade palace in the sky. I don't know where she is, but one imagines her taking the time to relax. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe hanging out with family and friends. Hey, maybe still having the cigarette that she probably should have stopped smoking a long time ago. I don't know what she's doing. Keep the but, voice husky. Right? Yeah, just a, a little bit. Rest is important. And I believe that she does it. And she definitely has her struggles, which have been long alluded to. But again, her life is so secretive. But she seems to be managing it. Yeah. And like you said, we we don't know exactly what what's I mean, they they claim that they're working on a new album, uh, but they take their time. So, you know, we, we don't have any idea of when that might come out. But that was Soldier of Love was the last album. They've done some one off songs for movies. Uh, they did one for Wrinkle in Time and one for mm-hmm. Widows uh, in, in 2018. But that's that's where that's where we leave off with Sade. Now, we've talked we've talked about the songs as we've talked about that. We've talked about the albums, which is the next category albums that are considered all time classics. And to kind of kick us off here. I'm going to pose the question, do you think any Sade albums are on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums? Mm, okay. Okay. Um, this is the guessing uh, game that we do each episode. Yeah. Well, you already um, did the song one. You said the song, what is number 494? No, no Ordinary Love. No Ordinary Love. Yeah. Are there any other Sade songs on the song I believe is that's a, the only entry. Is it a song list or album list we're talking about? So album? now we're talking. We're now we're talking about the album list. Yeah, I would. I would think that it would be. Um, my first choice would be they might have Diamond Life. Diamond Life is and they the, might the have debut. Promise, yeah. But I would think Diamond Life. 
Okay. I would, they love to put, if they're going to put something, they love to make it the debut generally, or like the breakthrough, uh, you know, album. Well, Kristen, so you're teaching me stuff too. I did not really know that about that list. Well, that's just like what has happened. Like what I, we've I noticed. And it makes sense. It's like, if it's the debut, better. it's the introduction of the band. It's like, yeah. it can be a more seismic shift in the culture when it's like, you go from not having the artist to having the artist. We found that as a trend. It's not, not always the case, but it's not, yeah, it's not prescriptive, but that that is the trend Mm -hmm. Uh, but i do wonder you know now this might be one of those cases where it's the opposite where i don't know i'm like how if they have one on it i think it's diamond life Mm -hmm. and if it's on one of the lists there's two lists there's like the early 2000s list and then there's the 2020 there's like two, 2003 2012 are very similar lists it's basically the same list, a yeah. major change in 2020 um that kind of like was a much more kind of like diverse and inclusive like mm-hmm. list but they kind of made a big they like just redid the list in 2020 it didn't but, feel as classically rolling stone the way the o3 um, listed okay but you know, so oh, I that's have- the one everybody was just like arguing about and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, that's why they did it. <laughs> that's why you do those. Lists. I, I'm not hating on it as a magazine editor. No. I'm not hating on it at all. No. All right, they can only yeah. put you know Jim Morrison on the cover so many times. They got to do something to get uh, eyeballs. Whatever. Uh, um, uh, I think though, but then you were saying that it, it was 4.94 on the 2003 list. Joe was and- no. No, 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 no. That was on the more recent list. No Ordinary Love was 459 on the most recent Rolling Stone 500 okay, songs list. And that, say, and that is from the album Love Deluxe from 92. I'm going to say Diamond Life could be on the 2020 list. and But if it is, I think it's in the mid 400s. I think it's like 400 and, you know, 51. Okay. Uh, just for the fun of it, Danielle, do you want to throw out a number that you think if Diamond Life is on there? I'm going to give it like... 300 to 325. Okay. Diamond Life is on there. At is it like is it like number 12 or something insane that like I missed? 200. Okay. Oh. Diamond yeah. Life is on there at 200. Okay. And <gasps> go on. Love Deluxe is at 247. Oh okay. no. This so, is yeah. I love this show. Why haven't you guys invited me on this show before? This is like a game show. Like, well, why can't I come to this every yeah. day? This and so she, she's she got two. They've got two uh, in the top half. Okay. That's so that bodes well for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting uh, ballot. I mean, it's going to be an interesting count. Yeah. No, totally. it is. Well, and I mean, I know that that's like kind of where we're headed in a minute, but I, I, I'm like... You know, I'm thinking, hmm, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, and, and doing that exercise with the Rolling Stone list helps us to bridge the album category with the critical acclaim category. Because, you know, if you do well on that list, it seemingly is indicative that the the critics are responding to your work. Mm. Um and it's interesting because you can kind of put this into the different categories of contemporary criticism and, and retrospective criticism, as you can with mm-hmm. any artist who has a legacy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say doing doing my research, I found that the contemporary criticism, the criticism at the time these albums were coming out, especially the initial ones, it was at times kind and at times kind of rough. And I think a lot of the white male critics of the 80s didn't really get it. 
Um, you know, and we sometimes we look at Robert Criscow as, you know, the self-proclaimed Dang. dean of rock critics to get an idea yeah. of like, you know, he also catalogs his his criticism on his website really searchably well. Um, he gives them mostly B's, uh, criticizes her range and calls them aural wallpaper. Uh, and sweet, sweet. And here's another quote. He says, I'm unable to find fault with her more memorable songs. Keep falling asleep before I finished the sentence. You need somebody to keep you company, Robert. That's what you need. You put <laughs> on more a, about you, buddy. You put on a Sade album alone and fall asleep. That's on you, my friend. <laughs> you need to have a you need to have a little somebody in there to keep you awake. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, I do feel if I remember the, the the writing of the time, the criticism was a lot about her being samey. Um, I thought also so often she was relegated to being like a mood rather than mm-hmm. um, like a more true artist. I think I will say though she is a mood. It <laughs> should be exclusive. She you know, that's mood. the thing. She's is also a yeah, mood? I don't think. Yeah, but like, but like a mood like that. Mm-hmm. Did she wasn't as deep. You know what I mean? And and I just, I found fault with that criticism. But I do think at that time, in the 80s, it was really like a huge time for a Black pop, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, I think critics, uh, radio jocks, um, a lot of people just kind of hated it for whatever reason they could make up to hate it. Um, you were a sellout. You were sounding white. You weren't being true to yourself. I think there was this thing coming out of the 70s and going to the 80s where, you know, if you weren't sounding like, you know, Wilson Pickett or Tina Turner, and I'm talking about Tina Turner in the 70s mm-hmm. or the 60s, then you weren't like real or you weren't you weren't as you know what I mean, as deep or um, you didn't have as much soul. And Ridley so I think that's where some of those criticisms voice. came from. Yeah. But like again, so smooth. Yes. But she was ours. Mm-hmm. She was not meant for the ears of people who grew up. Um, like I grew up listening to Motown and Elvis as a kid. Mm-hmm. But if you grew up going to high school and college dances to that music, um, to like the kind of soul that was the the great and award winning and soul stirring soul of that of those eras or even the disco sometimes, then you're gonna listen to Sade and say, what what is she giving? Like what are we doing? Like where's where's what are all those sax solos? Why are we why are we not coming from the gospel tradition that R and B comes from? Like what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of that criticism came from. I myself, that I can recall, and I can recall most of the record reviews I've done. I don't think I would I would ever have said anything like that because she so touched my soul and my friend's souls. Like we were rocked to our core. Like what is the video of her on the horse? I can't even remember. What it's called. <laughs> yes. I think of that one too. That is the visual. Like yes. I, I just yeah. he's in a white shirt, uh-huh, flowing. Yes, I know this. I know this visual as well. Well, you know, and I think there is this. There was the eighties were a smoothing out of a lot of things. You know, in it was a lot of just the smoothing out of like vocals and things like that. It was happening. I think we were. I I think that like she really 
there is something to be said for someone who can sound so effortless and I think you know very like grounded in her voice mm-hmm. rather than you don't I, I, it's, there's nothing really performative about Sade it's it's an ease that maybe was like people were like they wanted to feel more effort or something. I don't know. I'm like, to me, if you can, you know, you mentioned like Luther Vandross at the beginning, it's like, that's what I'm talking about. Like eighties, like R and B soul music. That was like very smooth and kind of just like, you know, caresses you rather than like, I don't know, slaps you in the face, like is a different, uh, I don't know. I think she's like very emblematic of that. Yeah, I mean, those artists of the 80s, you know, Whitney obviously came out of the gospel tradition, um, but made the decision she made to sound the way she sounded. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the artists of that era didn't necessarily. I mean, Lionel Richie also came out of the gospel tradition, but like Michael Jackson did not come out of the gospel tradition. Prince did not come out of the gospel tradition. Sade did not come out of the gospel tradition. Like, um, And I think that it was just a real lurch. And the culture and those those artists did not want to sound like the artists that came before them. They just didn't. And why would they? They were new. They were the kids of those people. If you're making your mom's music, are you even going to be successful with the kids that actually buy music back then anyway? Like, don't rent it, but like actually have to get in a car or a bus and go to the record store and look around and talk to the weird person behind the counter to know if the album is out or whatever. And then you take it home and it's yours. Do you want it to sound like your mom's music? No, you want to irritate the hell out of your mother, don't you? Or that's dad rock, or That's rock and roll. That's, that's one of the definitions of rock and roll, I would say. It is. So I don't, I, that's why I take those criticisms with 10,000 grains of salt as mm-hmm. I take the criticisms of early Whitney Houston, early Mariah, Um, not so much Prince because he got a guitar and guys like that, um, rock critics like that. Yes, Uh, but you know, Lionel Richie leaving the Commodores, Diana Ross leaving, um, the Supremes. It's like those artists, they, they were, they were so successful, but they were the whipping children of the critics at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, we 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 take that into consideration because there's a lot of those types of critics who are still voters for the Rock Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, times change. And, uh, you know, I want to point out that retrospective criticism has been much, much kinder, especially as we've heard from different types of voices in music criticism. Uh, and I think that's as evidenced by their placement in this 500 albums list that they've got two on there. And I think there's just a ton of respect that they never really lost it. You know, that yeah. each release has been good. It's like, yeah, kind of impossible. their friend in this case, sometimes, you know, just like to yeah. be able to, to have, you know, two comebacks, mm-hmm. you know, to, to every release be a comeback. Yeah. yeah yes. At a certain point, pretty, pretty yes. cool, but we'll get the longevity in a second. Oh, uh, okay. We don't have to talk about the next category, commercial success too much because it's just, you know, I'll be, I'll be the stats guy again. Uh, never released an album that wasn't at least platinum. If we go through them, it's four times, four times, three times, four times, three times. And then even the one in 2010, when it becomes more difficult to sell a platinum album, that one went platinum. And then their best of went four times platinum, 60 plus million records worldwide. Some sources say as much as 75 million plus. Uh, And I got the box set too, which is beautiful. The vinyl box set. I heard that did really well as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's undeniable. Like you, you Mm -hmm. look at, 
the numbers and the numbers are all there didn't ever release an album that wasn't platinum it's crazy minimum it's crazy yeah. Now let's we can go to longevity, uh, which is you know if if we talk about like when is that initial phase of them being on top before the the pauses? It's eighty four to ninety three, mm-hmm. uh, you know about ten years, which is very impressive. But uh, truly, the magic, the real magic, is that they go away and then they come back in two thousand two thousand ten, and that they're still relevant. And that's that is like true longevity in in the most impressive way. Is is another way to say longevity is is timelessness, which is yeah. right. It's like to me that's something else that that helps you in these achievement awards. Um, it's just like it. It's timeless. You can really throw on smooth operator right now, right now, mm-hmm. right. And it's just it's it's giving you what you need, and more than really. So these songs really do have a, a timeless quality um and again it's just it's just rare to be it's rare it's just rare yeah i and i think they have both types of longevity you know they have the timelessness of the sound but also literally it wasn't like they put out a few albums then faded into obscurity like they they continued to be around and put out work and have a catalog in addition to the music not you know not going away you know they didn't go away and the music also didn't go away so they have both uh in their favor Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about influence, which is a which is a big one. Um, you know, I feel like they're considered to be at the forefront of a few genres that you know can be described in a lot of different ways. Whether you're talking about neo soul, like mm-hmm. we said, quiet storm. I've I've mm-hmm. seen the phrase sophista pop uh, as as one that they're <laughs> you know okay the you know I, I think you can see it in in the R and B singers who came after them, uh, especially the women. But you know they. There are interesting fans of Sade across all genres. You, mm-hmm. We look at someone on the ballot, Rakim, uh, cites her as an influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Boy is a huge fan. So mm-hmm. is Rick Ross and Kanye. Uh, like it, it, people you wouldn't expect. Weirdly, the Deftones. Oh, from now the, that's the rock one. I was like, 90s. I'm like Rick Ross and Kanye. I could see that. I'm like, you know, with the Shaka and the, all that. Sure, but, but uh, they've the, the Deftones have covered No Ordinary Loves. How wow. weird! How weird is that? I mean, and then you know, less surprising. You know, covers have come from Lauren Hill and and Frank mm-hmm. Ocean. Uh, Beyonce has name checked her as, and as so has Taylor Swift. If we want to pick the two most famous mm-hmm. people right now, it really it, it's a, it's across the board. Um, I think she's such an example of 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 as we've talked about consistency, and also just like doing what one wants to do when one wants to do it. Um, I think especially with songwriters like Taylor and Beyonce, it's like she would inspire anybody. I mean, in some ways, I feel inspired by her just in my actual writing. To say what I mean, especially when it's about emotional things, the, you know, it's just not the easiest. And I think, um, you know, I don't think women songwriters of any race get the credit that they're due. And I think sometimes it's because of this emotional intelligence that gets taken for granted because that person is a girl. Mm-hmm. And th- that's not fair. And it's not true. It takes a lot of work to talk about what love really 
might feel like, what happiness really might feel like, what heartbreak really might feel like. This is a difficult task. Hey, can you just go in a room and just tell me what heartbreak just really feels like? And I need like five stanzas and a hook. (laughs) (laughs) Like these things are hard things to do. And so I think that's also why rappers respect her so much. Um, As, as so many rappers would say, because her pen game is strong. Um, She says what she means. And so that's why I think that she's she's inspirational as much for her work ethic and her creativity as for her sound, I think, for a lot of people and her consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This next category almost is like a it's a Hail Mary if someone isn't doing well in the other categories. But like Mm -hmm. she's it's artistry slash skill, which we have talked about. That has been the current throughout this whole conversation. Uh, but, I, you know, one thing I, I do want to say, you know, we've been talking about, obviously, Sade is a great singer and she's a great songwriter. But also props to those other guys who are great players and they are also great songwriters as well. They have credits on on all these songs. On all these songs. Yeah, they do. They do. And I and I think that people do forget in the way that they forget that Sade is a band. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is a rare case where the guys do get forgotten in her band. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they have purposefully, I believe, maintain an anonymity, 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 yeah, anonymity. anonymity. They have, um, they have maintained this. I, I don't know what these folks must have been like in their twenties when they got together. Like, what attracted them to each other creatively? But some of it must have been, I want to be secure. I want to have money. I want to get my creative Jones off. But the whole fame thing, we don't get down like that. Or I can feel from you that that's not really what you're in it for. Mm-hmm. Um, because how do they all feel that way? Or all, I guess, even if they wanted something different, don't. Like they, they don't seem to be arguing over it. I think the guys from Sade put out a record or was it called Sweetwater? Or there was like a moment where they did something on their own. Mm-hmm. And that was quietly as it kept, as it was kept, man. That was came and went. Sweet um, back. Sweet. What is it? Sweet back. Sweet back. Yes. And um, yeah, like they're just so consistent with that. It's, when you think about what attracts a group of people to meet, talk, hang out, sit in writing rooms together, play instruments together, go on the road together, and then just be this consistent over 40 years. I'm, I'm trying to think of another example. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the artistry is apparent and yeah, whatever bond they have uh, is magical and uh maybe best that we don't think about it too much because we don't want to jinx it we don't we We do not we do not we do not but i'm feeling like the documentary might be boring man you know what i mean like what what are we doing what are we talking they're professionals who go along and it's not going to be the metallica dog like you know what i mean low drama yeah Yeah, they're not going to therapy together no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, the, the final category, maybe the most important category, because it speaks to ubiquity, which often is a large indicator of if someone is going to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is, does my mom know who they are? Mm-hmm. And for I know for me, the answer is yes, but I'm 
pretty sure she did not know they were a band for whatever that's worth. Like she knew of Sade, the artist, but I don't think she knew that they were a group of people. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows that, but us, right? Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> I mean, we just talked. We, it was Matt Pinfield didn't know. Like last uh, week, know, we were talking like, to Matt Pinfield, who's like, well, you know, uh, is a savant. He has like a ton of music knowledge, and he had no idea. So, like, we really can't. Uh, yeah, uh, fault my mom. I, yeah, <laughs> and I think my that's mom. purposeful too. Yeah, no, my mom, of course, knows who, who Sade is. I, and, I'm sure she does not know that they are a band, but uh, you know, I don't think that I don't. I don't think that counts against them at all. You know, it's more like an, mm-hmm. an extra fact, an interesting fact. It is. Yeah. If they get in, people watching are going to be like, who are those people? <laughs> yeah. Who are people with her? Yeah, totally. Who are totally. those people? Well, let, well let's talk. Gonna... Let's talk about that. Let's uh, let's get to our verdict. Let's, you know, should Sade be in the Hall of Fame? Will she get in and, and will it be this year? Uh, and Kristen, why don't you, you start us off? Well, you know, I I think that every time we finish an episode, I'm like, I'm sold. This is they got to get in. We got and, you know, you just I just spent an hour and change like exactly. getting hyped up and remembering. And yeah, of course. And I truly believe in an expansive hall and I believe there's room for everybody. And I, you know, like I think they're obviously a worthy uh, artist. Um, So, yes, I think they should get in. And also it's just like, uh, yeah, that's you know, you can't, you can't listen to, can't talk about this band for an hour and, and change and think like, nah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, no, I, I really do believe of course that they should get in. Uh, uh, will they get in is a, is a harder question. It's more down to the things that we were just talking about, which is that they, you know, you were saying that they didn't show up to the songwriters hall of fame. And so now, so they haven't, you know, received yep. that accolade technically. Uh-huh. Yep. And that is something I, I don't know necessarily how much the voters care about that stuff, but if they're not out there shaking hands, playing the game when Lenny Kravitz is like, then you've got, you've really, that that's going to be a harder sell for them. Also, they, I mean, they were kind of a surprise nominee this year, I would say for us. Uh, I, like I say, I've seen many people in Los Angeles wearing Sade t-shirts in the past month. I don't know. There's something in the air. I think that they are popular. I think they're having a moment in a way, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to get them in this year. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that it will be, I don't think I would be very surprised. I'd put them toward the bottom of the likelihood of the likelies, unfortunately, uh, this year in particular, who knows, you know, what we have in the, in the future. Um, so I think eventually they'll get in. I mean, I hope so. It also is going to take people on the nomcom to continue to nominate them if they don't get in this year. It's going to take a consistent effort to continue to get their name, to keep their name out there. The other thing I will say is it will hurt them if they, if people don't think they'll show up. Uh, it's just hard sometimes. I think like the Kate Bush, in many years past, it was like, she won't come. So, you know, I think that if there was a year that she was going to come, it was last year and mm-hmm. she didn't, obviously. Uh, so I just, I wonder if like, maybe people think they don't care. They don't need it. I'm not sure. So I think 10 years from now, will they be in? I hope so. But I, I, I think that they're, they're on the outside of the bubble this year. Okay. 
Danielle, what do you think? Should they, I mean, you don't even really have to, (laughs) we've covered that already, but you know, will they, and do you think it'll be this year? I am so happy that I'm going to defer to my position on the nominated committee and not put put my opinion out there. Just abstain. I am. I'm abstaining. Fair enough. Uh, But they should be. Yes. Um, Here's what I think. And I, I want to, but I want to say before I say anything that I will be voting for Sade on my ballot this year. Ooh, okay. Sade will absolutely. Look at you. Oh, yeah, getting... that's another thing. We call up people, we call up voters, and you know, you can choose to share your ballot with us. There's no, you know, this isn't like a real, um, a, a, like a like a federal election where <laughs> you know you're not allowed to uh, share your ballot with anyone. But this is very much a. Uh, so we call people every. Every year and we have them some people live vote we've like convinced people to vote for Dion Warwick live on air before it's yes. yeah we uh, we uh we you know and again no rules no rules yes. against it but we, we do like to and Joe will be sharing his ballot with us all I'm sure as well. yes yes but I am definitely voting for Sade um I'm I'm very impressed by the you know all of it influence mm-hmm. and longevity in particular are I think uh rare and uh special with them. Yes. Um I think this is a very competitive ballot. Ooh, it's competitive. Uh, it's extremely and you know it's interesting Kristen what you were just saying uh about like you know they I don't even think in Shade they do have uh social media accounts. I don't believe they've acknowledge this with a post at least um whereas i just found out yesterday that foreigner put together a for your consideration video oh like, my god i've never see seen that before. it's just oh thirsty thirsty i've never seen that oh before just, i have not seen this i have not heard about it and it has and it has like you know chad smith from the red hot chili peppers and jack black and mark ronson all just being like oh come on gosh. hall put them in they put together their own package basically it's it's interesting oh, but it's no. so it's so direct and i've never seen something so direct that is like hall of fame please vote for us you know it's it was it's interesting uh and Shade's not going to do not going to do that i mean no one's kind of going to do that but the fact that you know we're seeing stuff like that Shade's on the far end i think of you know they're not even like well they're going to look they're going to look ever more pure which i think mm-hmm. uh voters like though mm-hmm. i do feel like they still like that question for you is journey in yeah mhm okay journey well, i think yeah, no, we've reached the point where we're running out of kind of the populist seventies. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, that's my era. So I'm a mm-hmm. Steve Perry fan. Like there's, um, yeah, foreigners, foreigner. Ooh. Yeah. I, I really do wish I could talk more about the ballot, but it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. To yes. See. And it's so very interesting to see it's when, when we look at the, you know, it, and it, it is hard, it is both hard and sometimes easy to predict who will get in. Uh, and there's there's always a, a surprise or two, which is great. Now that you can vote for seven artists for the first time, uh, that is that could potentially change things. I get the sense that Sade is not as big of a name for the rock crowd as some of the other people in the artists mm-hmm. on the on the ballot. Excuse me. Um, yeah. But also, you know, I think they're huge to the. R&B crowd, if we're looking at the rock crowd and the R&B crowd, you know, so they could have a shot. If I if I had to bet, I would say it's probably not going to be this year, which is a shame, mm-hmm. but uh, I hope that it's soon. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just, and, and I hope that I'm wrong 
too. And I'm going to be voting so that we can buck that trend. But, you know, <laughs> you, you, you especially look at some of the names like Shadi is a huge name, but not as big as Cher. Uh, you know, and like there, you, there's certain kind of calculations you have to make about where you think this is going to go. I think, I think they are going now that you can vote for seven. I think we are going to induct seven. Sometimes they would only induct as many as five. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now that we've got more, there's more room for surprises. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we don't know. Sadly, I'm, I'm going to say th uh, that I don't think it's happening this year, but I hope that I'm wrong. But let's, let's not dwell on that. Let's pretend like Sade is getting in this year and let's talk mm -hmm. about what that could and should look like. Who should give the speech to induct Sade? There's so many. There really are. I mentioned a lot of them in the influence uh, mm -hmm. category. We also talked about how Drake has several Sade tattoos. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that would be huge for the hall. They love when they can get somebody really famous to give that speech. Mm -hmm. And I think he's someone who uh, could give a very personal, I mean, he's got the ink on his body. Like he, mm -hmm. it obviously means a lot to him. It does. I mean, Drake would be great, I think. Um, but there's, it would also be great to see somebody like an Erica Badu. Mm-hmm. Um, who doesn't come outside a lot herself. Yes. Sure. Um, and who is like a direct descendant, like direct. Absolutely. Um, it would be great to see Erica, um, walk Shade in. Um, I mean, those would probably be my choices with Erica actually being ahead of, uh, Drake. Mm -hmm. I think Erica would be my number one choice. Um, Erica was not looked upon as a home run, uh, and she was. It's also an audacious debut. Sure, um, that's. I still return to that quite often. I mean, it's a the album is insanely great. Uh, I really think that Erica made probably a conscious decision that she wants to be the person that she is right now. But I think that there were a lot of us that thought, and maybe she in fact is. Um, our Sade hmm. um, or the generation maybe a bit younger than me um, not even a full generation but like the folks a bit younger than me it's like this is our Sade um, she had a little bit more of a hip hop spirit um, Erica's got a lot of she's a, a, a bold ass sassy chick mm -hmm. and a hell of a songwriter like she also doesn't get credit for a lot of this song. When I think of uh, See You Next Lifetime, I mean, that song by itself is just, uh. Um, and, and it's it's so out of this Sade uh, playbook. Yes. In the best of ways, without biting, but clearly and deeply influenced by. Mm -hmm. So I would choose Badu. And my second choice would probably, and you know, Jill could walk her in, but Erica is, Erica is the one, I think. It's a good choice. Um, mm -hmm. And then if we want to think like the hall, then uh -huh. her, uh, they love, they, yeah, you I'm know, like, who, who's the hall going to They love, <laughs> you know, her has been at, at a few of the last few ones, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the hall, it seems like the hall and the, and the industry are very invested in, in her. Uh, and then also, you know, Alicia Keys always is, it seems Ooh, like they've got they've got her. Alicia's number at the hall, and you know she's good. At, she's really good at giving a speech. Alicia, what, what she's she is done Alicia it. now. See, Alicia, Alicia's up there. Yeah, and you know, I, I, she has performed with Sade. I found that at at 
Alicia Keys Black Ball event, they did Stronger Than Pride together. So I, you know, I found I evidence. Know I didn't know that. I found evidence of their collaboration and potential friendship. I still really, really love you. Love is stronger than pride. See, she's right there with Erica now that I'm thinking about it, now that you say that, because when I think of like, you don't know my name. It's again, it's not a bite. It's not a copying. It's just clearly and deeply influenced by. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's some songs from from Alicia that go more in the Clive Davis, Whitney Houston category. Absolutely. Um, But when I think about those songs and those are like from the first, second album with Alicia um, and she. So Alicia was so young. Everybody forgets how young Alicia Keys was. On her debut, I don't know if she was, what, 16, 17, 18 years old, something like that. Um, And that's when you're really, like, still super influenced. You're coming into yourself Mm -hmm. as an artist. And, man, listen, okay, so now now it's three. (laughs) Erica, it's Alicia, and it's Drake. Yeah, and any of those would be good. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, now, do do you think Sade would go to the ceremony and perform? I know we were talking about they didn't show up at the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, and I know the hall would do everything they could to get them there. Mm-hmm. Do we think it, do we think it could happen one? And then I guess if so, what would the kind of three song set be? Okay. So first of all, if they show up and I think they would. Okay. Um, and I think that it, and I wish she could just get, you know, well, let me shut up, but <laughs> I think they would show up Okay. and I think she would do two hits and, and whatever's her favorite. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we were to make kind of the populist uh, list, uh, mm-hmm. I think it would be Smooth Operator, Sweetest Taboo, and No Ordinary Love. Um, Paradise. First of all, you got to get the that trio is about to make me cry. <laughs> it'd be an it'd be an affecting set list for sure. I could also see them throwing Soldier of Love almost mm-hmm. as a, a tip of the hat to like, hey, we still write and make great music. Like it's not just kind of eighties and nineties. But and they could just walk out to those drums. Mm, March. <laughs> and we and we know. Yeah. We know. It, it it would it would be like, and if you don't know, then maybe you don't need to know. But if she, those drums are so distinctive on that record, it's like, whoosh, they could just walk out to that and the screams would be loud. Yes, totally. Uh, you know, I hope I hope it happens. And I hope that if and when they get inducted, that they do show up and perform, because I think that would be really cool. And it would be yeah. a moment because, like we say, they're not showing up to everything. So it would be special. It really would be. Yes, it would. It, it, it would break the Internet. It might it might just it would. Yeah. It wouldn't the hall love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I All right. The, I thought the last show was so great too. Yeah, we were, we were there. We mm-hmm. went. Uh, I was not, so it was really great in person too. Then mm-hmm. yeah, we enjoyed it. I mean, like they gave us they gave us wristbands at the beginning of the um, show, and we didn't fully know what was going to happen. And then we found out it was going to be part of the Missy performance. And then yeah, it, it was, was so cool. It was blowing up, and it was the the Missy performance in particular was like got us on our feet, like screaming. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. It was a great show watching it from home. It's just a great show. And I'm also a huge uh, Spinners and New Edition fan. So I was having a moment. That was a blast. Perfect. Yeah. It was yeah. really, really great. 
That was a perfect, like, uh, right? yeah, very good. And they really, they did it. They showed up. They had the choreo. They showed up. I was very pleased. It was the great. Outfits? Yeah. The outfits oh, yeah. were flawless. Yes, yeah, it, it was, was very good. good. Yeah. No, agree, agree, agree. Um, well, uh, if Sade got in, would you go to the ceremony? I mean, I feel like. Would you travel to Cleveland? That's the other question is, is Sade going to go cross the ocean to come to Cleveland? This is always the question. When it's in Cleveland, you got to ask yourself. Okay, this is the thing for me. At being from Oakland, California, I feel a little brotherly love with Cleveland, Ohio. Like, <laughs> it's so disrespectful. <laughs> like for people to say, well, I don't know, because it's in Oakland. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, Oakland is cool, though. <laughs> I've been to Cleveland one time, two times, I think once for a game and once for a concert. And it's a great town. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy oh, we it. I mean, last time it was yeah. so fun. I mean, like, I we will we will be there. And I will I will say, you know, I'm getting your... married two weeks probably before the ceremony, and <laughs> I'm so congratulations. Thank you, but I'm probably going to be a happy couple. Thank you, but I'm like, it's going to be, you know, I wonder if we're going to postpone our honeymoon or something so we can go to the stupid. Uh, <laughs> so that I, I can know. go. I don't know if Ross will go. I don't we'll think it's out. stupid um, at all. <laughs> The only reason I didn't go this year is because I couldn't get it together and I had deadline from hell and I needed to sit tight and finish what I was doing. Um, but I think it will probably be on my calendar, especially for as long as I'm on the committee. Yeah, like, um, sure. I feel wildly and deeply invested. Yay. I already liked it before. And now, you know, I feel a part of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... And I'm not going to be that quiet and distinguished uh, guest either. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. If there are wristbands to be worn. I will have my wristband on. Like, um, so yeah, going to Cleveland. Well, yeah. Well, you know, we'll be there, and I ho- hope to see you there. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for for joining the show. This was such a great conversation. Really, really appreciate it. And I want to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you want, whether it's your your book or your social media or Oh, whatever. Well, Kristen and Joe, I can't tell you how much fun this is. I think we should do this weekly. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think we should, even if it's not um, for everyone to hear, because you guys are just obviously the like the best kind of music heads. And it's been a pleasure talking to you both. A Thank pleasure you. speaking with you both. Um, I'm Danielle Smith. I'm the author of Shine Bright, a very personal history of black women in pop. It is now in paperback. I have a podcast. It is a Spotify original. It's called Black Girl Songbook. It centers the 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 work and the creativity of Black women who make pop music in particular, from Billie Holiday to Dionne Warwick to her to J-Hud, on and on and on and on. Um, so that's pretty much me. Across social media, again, my name is Danielle Smith, D-A-N-Y-E-L Smith. Mm-hmm. But at social, I go by my high school nickname. Uh, which is Danamo, D-A-N-A-M-O. So, you know, I was the most irritating high school person. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm looking at your podcast and I'm like, okay, I see En Vogue. I see Mariah Carey. I see a podcast I will be subscribing to. Oh, that is so fantastic. <laughs> you guys are so great. Thank you again for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And, you know, uh, our listeners know they can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us at rockhallpod at gmail.com. Uh, 
Patreon soon. Once we can start talk to voters, that's where those episodes will go. Uh, but you hang tight uh, with that one. And thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo, Yusuke Kim for the music, and Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the Rock Hall? More people than you'd think. Wow. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.